Hey, welcome to the Missio Day podcast. Check us out on the web at missiodeschicago.com. Hey, everybody. What's up? How you doing? Thanks for the response. I appreciate that. Um, it's okay if you talk back, too. It won't throw me off. Some suggestions are just preach it, preach uh, keep going. You know, that's supposed to be the natural response when you say, I'm closing now. Oh, no, keep going. We don't have anywhere to be. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I feel very honored to be here and to speak to you guys about one of my favorite subjects ever, ever. And it is healing. It's always great when you can talk about something that is actually not just a state of being or something that we're called to do, but it's something that is actually who Jesus is. That when you encounter Jesus, you encounter his healing. You encounter salvation. You encounter deliverance. You encounter all these things that are, exist in the person of Jesus. And so now it's not going to be an apologetic um, argument about why you should believe in healing. Um, it's not going to be like a theological discourse about how awesome it, how healing is. I'm not a cessationist, I'll tell you that right now. Like, I believe that the Holy Spirit is alive and working and doing things um, today. And when you think about all these religions that you have across the world, which they all have these truths in them that are amazing, there is one that follows a God that actually rose up from the grave. He rose again to confirm the greatest covenant that has ever been forged with mankind for a father to give his only son. And so when we encounter Jesus, we encounter the fullness of who he is. Think about every situation that Jesus walked into in the scriptures, whether people needed deliverance or they needed salvation or they needed um, whatever they needed. Jesus walked into into an empty situation, and when he left it, it was full. And I, that's what I believe we're called to walk in, that we, we don't move in just the power that we have. And as smart people, we're amazing. We can do stuff. We can come up with solutions. We have a lot of wisdom. But everything that the Holy Spirit provides for us is so much greater that we have to access. So if you hear anything today that makes you think, oh, man, all that I lack, oh, I suck, I'm horrible, I'll never be able to do this, then you're hearing me wrong. I want you to hear Look what I have. I have this as an inheritance. I have this in the bank. I need to withdraw it. I need to take it out and put it to work because those muscles grow the more you use them. Um, So so we're in a series about being open to the promise, and the promise is the Holy Spirit. And that promise is... He said, I'm leaving, but I'm going to leave you with a comforter who will lead and guide you into all truth. Um, So I just want to pray right now and invite the Holy Spirit in to just be with us at this time. Father, I just thank you for sending your son and your son leaving the Holy Spirit with us, with his dunamis, the power of the Trinity that exists and resides within each one of us. God, I thank you for all that we have access to, that we don't have to suffer under anything, but you have given us the ability to take authority over anything on earth because of your great love to us. And I pray, Father, that you would just pour out this love on your hearts 
I know you're here because I can feel your presence. And I just ask that you would minister to us um, in an amazing way. In Jesus' name, amen. And when I talk about healing, most of the time people are going, you know, something that happens right away. You know, you pray for, put your hand on somebody, you pray for them, and um, immediately they're made well. You're like, yeah, praise Jesus, that's awesome. That should be the natural reaction. But in 2015, I ruptured my Achilles. It's okay, you can say ouch. <laughs> it was painful. And I didn't get healed. As soon as it happened, I started praying for my leg. I'm like, come on, Jesus. <laughs> I need to walk. I have a lot of children. I can't do my wife like this. <laughs> Immediately, I started praying. The adrenaline was still going, so I couldn't feel any pain. It wore off, and it was pretty painful. But I didn't get healed. I didn't get healed a month later. I didn't get healed three months later. It took six months till I could actually walk again. And I didn't have surgery because... Half of the cases they do surgery and half of the cases they don't. Um, so they just put my leg in a position to where the Achilles could grow back together, which is ridiculous. So is that divine healing? Yes. Healing that takes a long time because guess who created my body to be able to do that anyway? The Lord. If I break a bone or something like that and it takes me months to get back to where I need to be, that's still the Lord. And if I pray for somebody and immediately they're healed and made well, that's the Lord too. It's many ways that he works to heal us. Another way I think he works to heal us is through doctors. I am not of the school that's like, don't go to a doctor. You don't have any faith. It's like, no, he's as much in the process of us walking to seek help from um, people who have studied for years and years to be good at what they do. And as much in the immediacy of him healing us. And I think he uses a myriad of ways to do that. But most of us are, have some reticence necessarily to, to put ourselves out there to pray and believe that God is going to do something um, immediately. And I just want to encourage you to step into that because we all receive the spirit and the gifts that we get. It's almost like um, God doesn't give you anything in full form. He gives you everything in seed form. Because then you have to steward it and take care of it so it grows. I'm really glad that I don't, like, get a teenager at 16. You know what I'm saying? It's like, knock on the door. <laughs> Here's your kid. It's like, what the heck? What am I supposed to do with this kid? That he gives me a child that I, we can learn together how to move together in a relationship. And hopefully by the time they're a teenager, I know how to parent them well. He, when he gives us gifts, spiritual gifts, it's the same way. He gives us to them in seed form, and we learn how to desire them and take care of them, and then they grow up into these amazing gifts that we can have. So um, turn to Mark 5, and I'm just going to touch on, I'm not going to go too deep into Mark because we're going to be doing a Mark series coming up, um, but this story is just too hard to pass up when you talk about healing, um, and if you ever want a way to kind of stir up your faith for healing, just read all the encounters in the gospel of Jesus ministering to people, whether it's spitting in mud and putting it on people's eyes, all the strange things that he did sometimes. Um, but people walked away healed and full, which I think that we have so much access to as well. 
So starting in Mark 5 and 25, the setup of this passage of Scripture is Jesus has just walked out of a, off a boat. So if you remember the, the story of the, the storm and the storm arising, the storm arises while they're on the way to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. They're going to Decapolis, which is where all the Gentiles are. And so the disciples are afraid because of the storm, but they're also afraid because they're going to a place where Gentiles live. And they don't have any dealings with Gentiles. But Jesus is like, let's go to the hood. This, that's the version of the hood. Other side of the tracks. He's like, let's go to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. This encounter happens when they're coming back to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is where all the Jews live. They don't know exactly if it was in Capernaum or if it was somewhere else in Judea. But he steps off this boat. He's thronged by a crowd. He's going to pray for Jairus' daughter, who is sick. She's 12 years old. And this is where the encounter happens with the woman with the issue of blood. It's very interesting that he's on his way to heal a 12-year-old girl, and this woman with the issue of blood has had this issue of blood for 12 years. Um, so starting at 525, it says, Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had had but was no better but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of affliction. That's some power right there. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? And his disciples are looking at him like, everybody is touching you, man. What are you talking about? No, somebody had particularly drawn with faith healing from the very clothes of Jesus. That's sick. Not just his person, not just him laying his hand, the very clothing that he is wearing. And many say that, that she actually touched his prayer shawl because rabbis would walk around with this prayer shawl, this long piece of cloth, and at the end of it, it had tassels. And those tassels are called zitzit, which is a, a euphemism for those of their wings. And in Malachi 4 and 2, it says, But to you who fear my name, the son of righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings. So some believe that she just touched that tassel and that healing went into her body and completely took away what she had. And Jesus, as we know, restored her and said, this woman is clean because before that time she was unclean. This is what, this is the kingdom that we live in. Whereas in the Old Testament, it's like if a leper touches you, if, you're touch, if you touch a dead body, whatever happens, then you're unclean for a certain amount of time. But in this new covenant, Jesus touches somebody and they become healed. It's not that you become unclean is that they become healed. And this is a gift that Jesus moved and walked in with such freedom that it becomes an invitation to us. How can we see that all of us has probably known somebody that's been afflicted with cancer or been in a hospital, and so many times there's no way to feel more powerless than to hear of some terminal disease like this? What do we do, God? How do we, 
move through life with all these things that seem to be so much larger than we have the power to, to attack. And Jesus makes it very simple. The son of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. I was in a church service one time, and um, does anybody know what a word of knowledge is? The difference between a word of knowledge and a prophecy, which are both gifts of the Spirit, is a word of knowledge is something that is true right now. A prophecy is something that will be true in the future. So if I said, you have a yellow bike, that is a word of knowledge. That means it's something that's true right now. If it was a prophecy, I would say, you will have a yellow bike eventually. Um, but somebody gave a word of knowledge, and it was that somebody had leukemia in the church service. And so um, a guy raised his hand, and he was near me, so I went and put my hand on him to pray for him. And um, I didn't realize he was a pastor until later. So I just prayed for him. It was a simple prayer, and then I didn't hear anything. Two weeks later, he contacts somebody in his church, and he says that he has been completely healed. He doesn't have leukemia at all anymore. Now, the first thing that may rise up in your mind besides, that's awesome, that's amazing, that's wonderful. It's like, I don't know. Is that true? I mean, I know you're in the front and all, but that doesn't mean that you're going to tell me the truth, right? Um, and I always know when I hear something that's too good to be true, that I would rather err on the side of faith than on the side of unbelief. I think that um, the more evidence that I demand for something that God does fuels my need for more evidence. And the only premise I want to speak from today is that healing exudes from the person and work of Jesus. Amen? So turn to your neighbor and say, Jesus is all about healing. Healing exudes from the person and the work of Jesus. And he sent the Holy Spirit to continue that work through us. It exudes from every fiber of his being. And also, we are called to pray and believe for healing. Because Jesus is here that we would have life and life more abundantly. In 1 Corinthians 12, which is the chapter that elucidates the spiritual gifts and talks about the various ways that we're supposed to, you know, some as gifts of healing, gifts of faith, um, but we are one spirit, it says, and in, in, bless you, in verse 13, for by one spirit we were all baptized, it's not up here, but whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we have been made to drink in one spirit. Um, and then at the end of the chapter in verse 31, do all have the gifts of healings? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I show you a more excellent way. And that leads us directly in a chapter about love, which is the most excellent way. Why should I care about healing? Why should I care about prophecy? Why should I, why should I care about any of this stuff? I can love people without that. 
This is a, I don't know why I had the thought, it's a, a tentacle. <laughs> this is a, another tentacle of the gospel that allows us to love people. That's it. That's it. That people, so many times I've prayed for people and they don't get healed, but they feel loved. I'm like, success. Because that is the highest goal. That is the thing that we're supposed to earnestly desire. That is the more excellent way. We can overcomplicate it and say, I didn't get the results that I was supposed to have. That means God doesn't heal. Did they feel loved? Did they feel embraced? Did they feel accepted? And that is the ultimate goal. So 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14 is a sandwich that contains the bread is about love. In 12 and in 14, the structure... 14 is about structure, administration, and also gifts of the Spirit, and how do we, you know, how do people speak in tongues in a certain environment in the church, but the inside is love, and that's what should always be inside every gift that we receive or give out is love. So healing exudes from the person of work of Jesus, and he sent the Holy Spirit to continue to work through us and we are called to pray and believe for healing. And we know that um, love never fails. Never fails. Never fails. Um, and there's, I was uh, a part, of leading the outreach team out on the streets every week because it's not, it's important to not just talk about the things that you believe were amazing and wonderful, but also the things you felt like you, you missed the mark and things didn't happen the way you thought they should. And um, the parents of a kid had called us. Um, he went to Trinity, and he was an athlete, and he woke up, and he didn't wake up the next day. One morning, he didn't wake up. He was dead. He was like 19, 20 years old, young kid. His parents called me and asked me would I gather a team to come and pray for him. Now, this is difficult because I know it's in the scriptures and I know Jesus did it. But I don't have even a, a format for what that's supposed to look like. So I gathered a team of people who are willing to go to this funeral home and pray for this kid laying in a casket. And it drew a faith out of me and a determination to see God glorified that I had never experienced before. So we prayed, and we prayed, and we worshiped, and we prayed for three hours straight. And they kept coming in and saying, uh, you need to leave. And we're like, uh, just 15 more minutes. And we kept praying. They would come in and say, you know, just 15 more minutes. And he was not raised back to life at all. But you know what? His parents were so blessed by that. They were so comforted in the midst of this grieving. And they just told us, you really displayed the love of God to us by coming to do this. And I think that that helped me understand, no matter the way things work out, that the goal is love. It's always to love people. It's not to have some you know, notch on your belt to say you've done something. 
It's to love people. And sometimes you have to go outside of your comfort zone in order to love people. And I think we're very used to talking about love as inside our comfort zone. And anybody that's been married or in a relationship know that it doesn't start until you get outside of your comfort zone. That's where it begins. That's where you need the olive branch. That's where you need the understanding. That's where you need um, the grace to walk it out. And healing is what he does. So we know in Acts 2, um, the Holy Spirit comes, rushes in like a mighty wind. People are speaking in tongues and they're speaking other languages. And everybody is like, we're Acts 2 church. This is amazing. Yeah. Acts 2 church is wonderful. People are sharing everything and speaking in tongues. And it's just like a mighty wind. It's awesome. And Acts 3 and 1 is this amazing encounter with Peter and John. And starting at 3 and 1, now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful. So if he's laid daily at this gate, that would assume that Jesus had passed him before. To take alms from those who entered the temple who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on them with John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Walk, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. This is ridiculous. Like, like reading this, it's like, wow, that's awesome. This is, the kind, this is the invitation that we have. This is the invitation to walk into doing the things that Jesus did and also what his disciples did. And with the Holy Spirit came that power, which is awesome. And with the Holy Spirit also came persecution. You notice that no disciples were persecuted until they were filled with the Holy Spirit? Because that power is very confrontational to darkness. It's very confrontational to the powers that, that be um, in the world. And this gift, this gift is accessible to all of us who wish to see it grow like a garden. And how does it grow? By exercise. By earnest desire and by exercise. The things that we sometimes believe theologically can be an iota away. You're like, you know, that's just a slight difference from the way I believe, whether you believe in a cessation of the gifts or, you know, you believe in you know, certain other things. It can be an iota ideologically, but when you walk it out pragmatically, it can be like a chasm. There's a big difference between I will pray for you, and then you turn around, and I will pray for you right now. I've told people, like, is it all right if I pray for you? You know, they got like a cast or something. Is it all right if I pray for you? 
They're like, sure, and then they turn off and walk off. <laughs> I meant now. <laughs> it's like, I'm going to go home and earnestly pray for you. <laughs> because if you put yourself out there, but not just in healing, but whatever we do in life, if we never put ourselves out there, we won't be able to understand how much God is for us and how strong he is. And when we're weak and we feel like we're flailing and we don't know what's going on, that he is strong to catch us and capture us and cover us with his love and his grace. I've done it so many times, and I don't want you to look and just say, oh, it's just Bam, you know, <laughs> he's crazy. <laughs> look what he's wearing. He's a crazy guy. That's just, that's just Bam. I want you to see it as being accessible. Like, reach out, just reach out, like, right now, physically. Reach out. This is how close everything that's in Scripture is to you. This is how close these stories that we tell over and over and over again, this power that we have access to, to just grow and cultivate. Like, I, I was a kid in church, too. I know some people grew up in church. Some people didn't grow up in church. And I was bored to death. Bored. <laughs> I am never coming back to this place when I have a choice. I'm just telling you how it is. Like, I'm just being real. Is that if I be real? All right. I'm like, I am never coming back to this place. Bless you. Because I'm like, this is just boring. It's nothing happening. This is like, I, can ex I know what to expect every day I come. I know exactly what's going to happen. And then I discover the power and moving and working of the Spirit, who is so unpredictable, but so loving and so powerful to um, make everything bow its knee to the name of Jesus. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Everything that has a name, which everything has a name, that's how we know how to call it. Cancer, death, um, so hard to think of diseases. <laughs> every single disease that exists has to bow its knee to the name of Jesus. And it's cool to, like, sing it, you know, like, death, where is your sting? <laughs> but it's truly power that we get to access. When we were on our leadership retreat in um, Wisconsin, I think Brian mentioned this, I'm not sure, but uh, Stephanie Cunningham, she's been waking up with back pain for years, for a long time. And we're in worship, and one of the pastors, David Wagner, comes up to me. He's like, hey, do you want to go pray for her? I'm like, yeah, sure. I'm always down to pray. And um, I just asked her if she had one of her legs was longer than the other one, because a lot of times when people have back pain, that's, that can be the cause. And so she sat down, and I just um, held her feet in my hands, and I just prayed for her other leg to grow out. I prayed for her back to be healed. And it was probably a couple moments, and I'm like, are you feeling anything? She's like, it feels better. And we just keep praying, and after a few minutes, 
all of her pain is gone. And I saw her last week, and I'm like, hey, that's something to celebrate. That's amazing. But um, it's like all of her pain is gone, and I saw her last week, and all of her pain is still gone. It's the all we're called to do is just be faithful with what we have in our hands. Nothing more, nothing less. And err on the side of faith as opposed to unbelief. Jesus couldn't do many miracles in his hometown because of the unbelief. And then it says in Mark that Jesus couldn't do many miracles except for heal a few people (laughs) because of unbelief. I was like, which one is it? Like, he could do any miracles or just a few? Um, So healing is available for us in every measure. Anybody in here have pain in your body right now, like chronic pain at all? Back pain or something like that? All right. So we're going to pray for that later. Um, But God is always ready to move and to bring his love um, into us. So I just want to make that as simple as possible. Jesus healed, left us the Holy Spirit, we should heal. We can heal. Maybe should sounds too harsh, like, do it right now. But Jesus did it. Of course, I don't want to do everything that Jesus did. What? You don't? I mean, I don't call people dogs, you know what I'm saying? So we have the wisdom of of moving through life, but... um, I want to model my life after Jesus as much as possible. And he is the lily in the valley, the bright morning star who takes um, fully God and fully man and ministers in the midst of it. And that's what we, we have access to. And Matthew 10 and 5, if you want to turn to Matthew 10 quickly. Check my time. All right. Still rolling along. You guys with me? Getting a little butter from this. Hopefully it, uh, little butter on your biscuits. All right. So this is Jesus sending out his 12. Um, These 12 Jesus sent out and commanded them saying, do not go the way of the Gentiles and do not enter the city of Samaritans. But you went to Samaria, Jesus. I don't get it. (laughs) But go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received. Freely give. And as you go out, preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. That's a heck of a to-do list to, you know, put down at the end of the week. All right, let me find some lepers. Uh, Heal the sick. Okay, Jesus. Simple instructions, but we make it a very complicated execution. We make it so complicated. Why does it feel complicated sometimes? Because it's hard to believe when you've been disappointed. 
It's hard to believe when you've had family members die of cancer. It's hard to believe when you've seen people struggle with some pretty intense chronic pain and disease for their whole life. And Jesus yet and still has given us these instructions. And as you go preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, and cast out demons. This is accessible to all of us. There's one way I can guarantee that you will never see anyone healed. And that way is if you never pray for anyone to be healed. That's the one way I guarantee that it will probably never happen. Because it's the Holy Spirit that moves and accesses and gives us so much. Healing is what we are called to do and call and pray and believe for it. And the cost sometimes may be high because it is our comfort, it is our safety and a predictability of the gospel. But as we've been talking about, like being open to the promise and open to what God is doing, I just want to give you a bit of an experiential glimpse into the things that I've seen Jesus do and seen the Holy Spirit do. Just by a simple prayer. I think I've told this story before. Even if you don't believe, I took a a lady with us out on an outreach, and we were on the street. She was praying for somebody who had pain in their back, and she was not with it at all. (laughs) You know, it's like begrudgingly going to do something. All right, let's go do it. And she put her hand on a lady. She was like, this is not going to work. This is not going to (laughs) work. She she said that later. That's what she was saying in her mind the whole time. This is not going to work. This is not going to work. This is not going to work. Then the lady's back get completely healed. She's like, whoa, what was that about? Sometimes our our actions speak louder than our words. (laughs) Sometimes not being able to work everything out perfectly in our mind can be superseded by our actions and faith to just move and do things. I'm sure if Peter would have sat would have sat and thought about it, he wouldn't have got out the boat at all. Like, well, you know, water has a buoyancy level of 14 and a half kilojoules and I <laughs> But there's something about getting out of that boat. Turn to 2 Kings. This will be our last passage. This is actually the first one that God gave me um, when I was thinking about healing. I'm like, this really doesn't have anything to do with healing. But um, I felt like I should share it. So, hey, I'm going to share it. And uh, this is Elisha, who was mentored by Elijah. And this is his first miracle that he does after Elijah descends to heaven in the fiery chariot. And he's prayed for the double anointing. He's like, um, all right, Elijah, I want your double anointing if you want to ask me for anything. Elijah said, ask me for whatever you want. And he said, I want a double anointing. 
and he did about as twice as many miracles as Elijah did, which is pretty cool. It's recorded that way. But in 438, they had these schools of the prophets, but there was a famine in the land. So here, they, this is where they trained people to hear from the Lord, to be um, prophets in the kingdom. And um, they have a famine. And let's see, it's in 438. And it start with, and Elisha returned to Gilgal. And there was a famine in the land. Now the sons of the prophets were sitting before him. And he said to his servant, put on a large pot and boil stew for the sons of the prophets. So one went out into the field to gather herbs and found a wild vine and gathered from it a lap full of wild gourds and came and sliced them into the pot of stew, though they did not know what they were. Then they served it to the men to eat. Now it happened as they were eating the stew that they cried out and said, Man of God, there is death in the pot, and they could not eat it. So he said, Then bring some flour. And he put it into the pot and said, Serve it to the people that they may eat. And there was nothing harmful in the pot. That everything that was in there was healed by putting flour in it. I'm like, what does this mean? Bless you. <laughs> it's like the, sometimes the world we live in can feel super chaotic. And just a pot of stuff, you know, like a goulash or like a, a soup is just like some of this is in here, some of that is in there. I don't know how my relationships are going. This feels like it's up in the air. It's just like all these things that are happening but then this flower comes in to completely heal it, and that to me represents Jesus. It represents Jesus that lives inside of us, that we are no longer just people who have to sit back and talk about how a situation is, but we are, when we are incarnated in a situation, the healing power that resides in us is ready to transform everything around us. Amen? Every bit of who Jesus is exists in our heart, Therefore, we have access to this healing, this poisonous pot that may feel like the world, the things around us could even be toxic. But prayer is the greatest um, tool that we have to attack it. 